Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. Now it's your chance to be part of the conversation. The Joe Show on AM 930 Progressive Talk, KBAI. Well, happy Thursday to you. This is Northwest Washington's only local, live, liberal, progressive program here on the Progressive Voice of the Pacific Northwest. AM 930, Progressive Talk, KBAI. Also at 98.9 FM here in Bellingham. Thanks for joining us here today. Hope you make us a habit, noon to one each weekday. A little bit later this hour, we'll have an announcement to make. Um, I'll just tease it a little bit and that it it's not an announcement that I'm thrilled to make. I'll leave it at that, but uh, we'll have that for you a little bit later. Uh, kind of a, uh, an idea of where we're headed here, uh, progressive radio-wise and uh, the Joe Show. But uh, So stick around for that. First, though, uh, in the years that I've done this show, I've talked to so many fascinating people with incredible stories. And uh, my guest now has uh, documented uh, her life as a foreign war correspondent and uh, also the wife of an ambassador Linda Schuster has uh, her new book, Dirty Wars and Polished Silver, The Life and Times of a War Correspondent Turned Ambassatrix. And uh, Linda, great to have you here on The Joe Show. Thank you so much. Yeah. And well, I guess tell us about your history. You, you became a journalist, I suspect, uh, run-of-the-mill reporter uh, before you became a war correspondent? Well, not really. Actually, I, I was very lucky. Um, I always knew that I did not want to work domestically. I ran away from home when I was 17 and wound up on a kibbutz in Israel. And about five minutes after I got there, the Yom Kippur War broke out. And instead of scaring the daylights out of me, it just whetted my appetite for adventure. So when I got very lucky and was hired by the Wall Street Journal right out of journalism school, they flew me to New York um, to interview with the editors. And the editors said, which of our many domestic bureaus would you like to work in? And I said, none. I only ever want to work internationally. And they nodded and promptly dispatched me to their Dallas bureau, which I guess for a New Yorker is foreign. <laughs> but um, I got very lucky because for some odd reason, that the Dallas bureau was in charge of covering Central America, which in the early 80s was one of the hottest foreign stories going. And so within a year of getting to um, Dallas, I was out covering one of the biggest stories around. Covering some of the the conflicts in El Salvador, uh, in Nicaragua, Honduras, Nicaragua, right? Uh huh, uh huh. And I guess were you how how did you go about covering those conflicts? I mean, uh, did you did you take a side, or were you you embedded in essence with uh, one side or the other, or not necessarily? Yeah, you know, this concept of um, of being embedded is really a much more recent thing that I think was uh, came about with the the wars in the Middle East and Iraq. Um, no, you go and remember, I worked for the Wall Street Journal, which usually had a very strong firewall between their very conservative editorial page and a much more liberal news page. But luckily, we weren't um, a paper, didn't consider ourselves to be the paper of daily record for any stories other than business or finance. So I could go into a place like El Salvador I wouldn't have to go and cover daily bang-bang, as we called it. Uh, my editors wanted me to take a step back to, I mean, I obviously had to be there in the thick of things, but to take a step back and to explain to readers why this was important and why we should care about it. 
did you uh so by doing that did you um i guess did you come in contact with uh, with the rebels and with the, with government troops with um suspected uh um uh death squads that sort of thing yes um i did um and and i think as a reporter it was incumbent upon me to basically tell both sides of the story story although i have to say that particularly in central america i found the press corps to be very, very polarized. There were a lot of people who identified very closely with the rebels, a lot of very progressive people um, identified with the rebels, identified with the Marxist-Sandinista government, and then there were people who were um, more right-wing <laughs> and managed to somehow identify with the militias. And I tried very, very hard to play it straight down the middle because that's what I felt was incumbent upon me as a journalist to pre- present both sides. It seems, though, that it's, uh, it w- was probably incredibly dangerous, I would think, that uh, there were people that didn't want their stories told or maybe didn't want the, their stories told the way you might present them. Yes, and I actually have, I actually unfortunately had a very personal experience um, about that. I, um, I think on maybe the second or third day of my first reporting trip in Central America, I met a reporter, a veteran war correspondent for the Los Angeles Times, Dial Torgerson, um, and we fell in love, and we managed to squeeze in getting married um, in between assignments Well, when we were in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, the Honduran capital. And then sadly, 10 months after we married, um, he and a photographer were in a car traveling on the Honduran-Nicaraguan border, and they went over landmine, which um, killed them both instantly. Wow. Oh, man. What, a, what, what an experience. Where were you when that happened? I was probably the last person in the universe to find out that it had happened. At that point, I had been made the journal's Mexico bureau chief. So I was in Mexico City, and this had already flashed all across. Um, it had been a news flash all across the United States. My family knew it. Some reports said that I had been in the car, so they thought I was dead. Nobody could get through to me because I was out reporting a story that day and that night. And um, I got a phone call at about 1 o'clock in the morning from the AP bureau chief in Mexico City, who was a friend, and he was crying. And I knew exactly. He didn't even have to tell me what had happened because if the AP bureau chief is calling you at 1 o'clock in the morning and he's crying, it's not good news. Yeah. Absolutely. And did you ever feel threatened by by someone or or a group? Yeah. Um. I. The thing about covering the war in in Central America is you I, you can you, it's out there. You can go to it or opt not to go to it. Um. When I was transferred to Beirut, um, and the civil war there, that was terrifying because the Lebanese brought their civil war to you. But I think that the place I felt most, I mean, so that was just on a day-to-day basis was ner- just absolutely nerve-shredding. Um, I think one of the scariest things that ever happened was when I covered the, the fall of apartheid in South Africa, and I was targeted by assassins. And basically, I was told by a political officer at the American embassy that he had information that the sort of the, the, these um, death squads that were basically working for the government were not happy with what I was writing and that I would have a car accident and die and no one would ever be 
the wiser because people drive like maniacs in South Africa and there are always car wrecks. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, did you get any extra protection or anything from... No. Uh, yeah. No, no. Jur- journalists don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly not, not back then. But no, I had no protection. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Just uh, incredible. And yet you continued to do your job as, as you saw fit. Right. Because I, I, I really think it's... Um, first of all, it is a young person's career, I think. I saw a lot of people who I think stayed on as journalists because they sort of became action junkies and became addicted to the bang bang and were way past their shelf life in terms of doing this kind of job. And you just see a lot of alcoholism. You see a lot of busted marriages. But I still believe that it was a very noble calling and an absolutely essential calling um, in a democratic country that for us to have an educated electorate Indeed, in an educated world, someone has to be there bearing witness to these things. But I think at a certain point, I decided that enough was enough. And this happened to coincide with me, um, very fortunately, falling in love again, but this time with uh, a, a U.S. diplomat. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the other part of your story. We're talking with Linda Schuster. Uh, her book is Dirty Wars and Polished Silver, The Life and Times of a War Correspondent Turned Ambassatrix. And as far as your, your war correspondence, it just uh, it, it seems to me that especially in some of the places that you, you were assigned and just the, I guess, the, the social norms there and how women are, are, are considered, I mean, even here in the United States as, you know, the, the chauvinism that exists. And did that make it more difficult for you to, uh, to do your job, I guess, your gender? No, it's the only time in my life that I loved when people were chauvinistic because it allowed me to get a foot in the door. And so I could often get interviews that my male part counterparts couldn't. But because I generally worked in developing societies, um, uh, they, so they felt I was, people were very solicitous toward me and would let me in the door, but that wouldn't take me seriously once I was in the door. So it just, the challenge was, to um, make sure that they understood that I was a professional and I meant business and I was there to do business. And I think the only advantage my male counterparts ever had over me was um, when it came to bodily functions. I think on the front lines, men can finesse those that much better than women can. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. But it seems to be, uh, you know, in warfare, and I, I know things are changing somewhat with our military and that uh, women are seeing um, you know more action or you know, are, and are being posted in more forward positions. But when you were working, you know, warfare was a, a male arena. And uh, it just seems that uh, female correspondence uh, would be would be an extra danger. But you you didn't get that sense. No, not extra danger. There really were very few women working um, on the front lines back when I did it. Um, I can, one just off the top of my head, the great Shirley Christian, who worked for the Miami Herald and won a Pulitzer for her coverage in um, Central America. But no, there were very few. Um, the reason I ended up there is because the Wall Street Journal looked at this kind of story as kind of ancillary to what they cared about most. They wouldn't put the girl reporter um, covering business and, and finance, but we'll send her off to war. Wow. Well, and then you, you met this uh, this ambassador. Was he already an, amb- an ambassador? 
No, he was a lowly desk officer for <laughs> um, for Argentina at the time that I met him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he fell in love, and he did eventually become ambassador to what country? He was named ambassador to Mozambique, which is a small country in southern Africa, just above South Africa. And then after that, he was named ambassador to Peru. Well, he probably had some uh, some good insight on some of these countries that you could offer him. I Yes, I did. <laughs> but unfortunately, I wasn't the one who was making policy. He was. <laughs> <laughs> did he Did he take any advice from you, listen to you at all? He knew it was good for him. And so, yes, of course. <laughs> well, how did that, how did that life, it seems like, you know, night and day from what your earlier career had been, being a, a war correspondent, and all of a sudden you're kind of living in the, uh, the lap of luxury. Well, it was, but it wasn't just a lack of, lap of luxury. It was like a throwback to the 1950s. So I, the first indication I had of this was when, he, when anyone is named um, ambassador from this country, the State Department requires you um, requires the ambassador and his spouse to do a two-week um, course, and I called that ambassadrix school. <laughs> and um, the course may have changed since I experienced it 20 or so years ago. And actually, I, I, I was giving a talk in Washington last week, and some of, some diplomatic wives came up to me afterwards and assured me that it has changed. But um, back then, it, it, it felt like something from the 1950s. Um, as I write my book, all the ambassadorial appointees were men, and um, their spouses were expected. To, all the spouses were women, of course, back then. And um, the you were it was assumed that the women did not have careers, and if they did, they'd be prepared to jettison them at a moment's notice so they could accompany their husbands to their postings. And during the course, while our our husbands got these really juicy briefings on um, classified briefings on their respective countries. We women got taught that lectures on such topics as your China patterns and you. <laughs> and it, it just really felt like someone forgot to tell the State Department that Mamie Eisenhower was dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Did, you know, it's often said that uh, these diplomatic posts are, are, are uh, favors that um, that a you know successful candidate uh, you know mm-hmm. a, a presidential candidate will offer to those who have uh, done him fav- him or her favors on the the campaign trail and um, is is it do you get the sense that it is a, a, oh. a, a favor or is it uh, is it harder work than that? Well, as far as obtaining the job, it's the the, the really plum positions are definitely favors. Um, typically. Thirty percent of all ambassadorships go to um, our political appointees, meaning these are the high rollers who gave a lot of money to um, the campaigns, and whichever president, whichever candidate succeeded in winning, would then uh, reward the person by posting him or her to really nice places like England or France or um, Belgium. Um, Whereas the career people, so the, the remaining 70% of the posts go to career people, and it's actually quite an honor to become an ambassador because only 5% of the career people ever make it. But they end up going to all the countries in the world that we Americans cannot pronounce because yeah. they become specialists in this part of the world, these parts of the world. And they do work hard. Um, the ones, the, the political appointees, because they go to countries where, that are our allies, and more developed, 
generally there's far less um, work, as it were, that actually has to be done, and it's much more entertaining. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, a country like Mozambique, I suspect that the ambassador is going to be do more, doing more heavy lifting than, say, the ambassador to France. Yeah, the French, uh, ambassador to France is going to be heavily lifting a champagne flute a lot. <laughs> So where are you now in your career? Are you, I mean, are you are you still an ambassador's wife or? No, my husband retired. He is now in academia. Um, our after our posting in Peru, and I we went there. Uh, I just found out I was pregnant when we went there, and um, that posting was a killer, almost quite literally. Um, first of all, a house was a twenty-two thousand square foot house, which was just unbelievable. Um, But because of an ongoing terrorism problem there, we had 10 armed bodyguards anytime we went out just even to get pizza. And we were driven around in a three-car bulletproof convoy. And every night, 30 armed Peruvian soldiers would surround our house in these concrete bunkers. And um, after the birth of our daughter, I just, I said to my husband, I will go back to Washington, but I will not go back abroad like this. I do not want her to have to grow up like this. Mm-hmm. So um, he left the Foreign Service and went into academia. Interesting. And uh, so you've been back here in the United States since then. I, was that the that was the era of the Shining Path? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, actually, yeah, it was the Sendero, Sendero Luminoso, the Shining Path, and the MRTA. When we got there... Um, they were pretty quiescent because the president, the then president, Alberto Fujimori, had pretty much wiped them out. But uh, about not long after we got there, my husband was at a cocktail party and left and then left. This was at the um, Japanese ambassador's residence. It was their national day. He left and 30 minutes later, um, about 15 guerrillas from the MRTA attacked the um, the cocktail party with uh, grenades and tear gas and submachine guns and took hundreds of guests hostage. And my husband had left there just 30 minutes earlier. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. An incredible story. And uh, once again, uh, Linda Schuster, her book, Dirty Wars and Polished Silver, The Life and Times of a War Correspondent Turned Ambassatrix. Which part, I guess, which life of yours did you enjoy more? Um, Probably on the whole, the journalism one, despite having had the person I loved most in the world killed as a result. But there were some tremendous benefits to being on the other side of the looking glass, as it were. Um, as As a ambassador's wife, I got to see things and meet people that I wouldn't have had as a journalist. But the downside to that, I mean, it's this rarefied bubble that you live in. Um, the downside to it is that you really don't get to rub shoulders with ordinary people, with, which is what I loved doing as a journalist. And, and, and that's the way you really get a great sense of the, of the country that you're living in. Yeah, I, on that, absolutely. Linda Schuster, well, thanks for being with us here on The Joe Show and telling us your amazing story. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll take a quick break. Be back with more here on The Joe Show. Our phone number, 360-734-5697. 
Welcome to the Joe Show here on AM 930 Progressive Talk, KBAI. Our phone number, 360-734-5697. Remember, you can also hear us, 98.9 FM. And uh, I think one of the one of the most difficult things about the last six months with uh, the, the Trump in uh, the White House, the, big, the hardest thing to deal with is, is, is the change, the, 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 the different tone that we're uh, seeing and hearing, uh, the lack of decorum that we've come to expect from the White House and uh, others, uh, other leading politicians in Washington, D.C., regardless of party. It's just been uh, so much different. And uh, things continue to change in so many ways in our lives. And I'm going to take a quick break and uh, we'll get a news update. When we come back, we'll have an announcement for to make here about uh, the future of uh, Progressive Radio and The Joe Show. You're on AM 930 Progressive Talk, KBAI, also 98.9 FM. And our phone number, 360-734-5697. Back on the Joe Show here on AM 930 Progressive Talk, KBAI, also at 98.9 FM here in Bellingham. Our phone number, 360-734-5697. And I've been teasing you that I've got an announcement to make. It's not one that I've been looking forward to making, but one that I must make. And, and I really appreciate uh, having the opportunity to make the announcement and uh, and have uh, a little more time with uh, folks here on the Joe Show. I've been doing this show, I think I started in 2009, so it's been over eight years. That is my math right. <laughs> and then, but I've been doing, uh, you know, liberal talk radio here at the Cascade Radio Group since uh, 2005, I think, is when I started the evening show at KGMI, which eventually then was, uh, was, um, co-broadcast or what do you say simulcast here on uh, am 930 for a stretch and but we've gone through some changes and uh, and uh, but it's just been an honor to be the, well have this this opportunity to uh, you know not be the voice of um, local progressives and liberals and ca- our causes but um, to be able to offer this forum for so many people who are doing really important work and um, and um, helping to make uh, our community here locally and our nation and our world uh, better places. And um, and it's just, it's been a, an extreme honor for me to be here. And uh, well, the crux of it is that uh, our company has decided to abandon the progressive uh, talk format here on this station and install a music format and um, We'll get to your calls in just a moment, but uh, joining me now in the studio is our general manager here at the Cascade Radio Group, Don Curtis, and thanks for being with us, Don. You bet, Joe. And, well, I guess tell us what this decision is rooted in, because I think a lot of people are going to be, or and are, very disappointed. Well, and they should be. Obviously, they tune into shows on uh, on KBAI, Joe Show, and the other shows we have on the air, because it, uh, you know, speaks something that... Uh, that they're kind of kindred spirits with and uh, gives them a voice. And it's certainly not any easy any time to change formats in a station, but this is something that has kind of been developing over the years and we're kind of becoming victims of it uh, in that there's just a disappearing amount of syndicated prog- uh, programming to make a consistent progressive talk station. We've got about eight left in the entire country, uh, 
none of which are in the West Coast, which is mm-hmm. kind of bizarre to me. But, uh, you know, we've seen it just in the last couple of years where we've had really good, talented people, you know, presenting the progressive point of view. Randy Rhodes, Rachel Maddow, of course, Tom Hartman still with us. But even going back further to the Air America days, which was a whole network designed around progressives and comedy where you had one of the better, bigger shows in, in the country, The Lionel Show, and then mm-hmm. also Al Franken, now right. uh, now part yeah. of our government. Right. Ron Reagan, who still does kind of a weekend show. But a lot of these people were doing week-long shows and there was a market for it. But in 2010, because of lack of support, um, you know, they were forced to close down. And I, I think the uh, thing that a lot of people don't realize is that uh, we're proud of being able to offer local um, programming like the Joe Show. And in most markets our size, and you've been in the industry a long time, you know, there's not a lot of markets our size that have a lot of local programming on mm-hmm. their talk shows outside of newscasting. And uh, because of that, about 95% of our programming is syndicated. And um, we're forced to a situation where you've got people uh, just this past year of, uh, you know, Ed Schultz and uh, Bill Press, John Grayson. And then, of course, with the passing of Alan Combs, um, just running out of programming so that really once you get past seven at night and I'll say it, it KBAI becomes kind of a train wreck mm-hmm. um, because, you go through uh, kind of a conservative business uh, investing guy into uh, stuff that, boy, I sure get phone calls and emails on all night. They call it red eye radio. People here uh, in Bellingham call it redneck radio. Mm-hmm. And that really sweeps us through the night. And uh, we've ended up with a situation where there's just not enough quality progressive programming to maintain a consistent format. And so we're becoming one of a lot of stations around the country that due to having to offer something that is commercially viable, um, we're just forced to uh, kind of have to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I understand that. I've been in this business for over 30 years and I've uh, experienced disappointments right. before. I've been through uh, format changes before and um, I've been laid off before, but fortunately that's not going to happen. I'll still be with Cascade yeah, Radio Group. I yeah. really appreciate that. I'll be with, I'll be spending my time at, uh, at KGMI and continuing to co-anchor the morning news with Alex Gray, but, um, really missing the opportunity to voice my opinion on the radio. Well, who's to know what's to say down the road? Because KGMI <laughs> did have the uh, liberal outpost on the air for years. That's and I'm right. sure there'll be some uh, point and counterpoint opportunities come up. But uh, certainly there's just not enough here to be able to put together a real consistent product. I, I mean, it's kind of like half the people like KBAI and the other people hate it because of the other stuff we've got on the air. And I mean, even right now we've got Tom Hartman, who's certainly a, you know, a, an anchor in mm-hmm. the format. We're playing his show twice during the day just to make sure we can fill up the space. Leslie Marshall, who comes on, you know, in a few minutes, she used to do a three hour show. She's cut it back to, to one, one hour. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just getting really, really tricky. And, and uh, I think part of the problem is a lot of people really don't understand how syndicated programming works, but basically those are people that have a show that's pretty successful, usually in a mid-size or major market, and catch the eye of a network who then pretty much hires a team around them of writers and producers. Because I, th- I don't think a lot of people realize the time and the effort you put into this show. Um, and if you're trying to do that for multiple hours every day of the week, you need a 
pretty solid cast of characters mm-hmm. behind you, and that has to be funded by advertising, and, and we're just not seeing that. In fact, every I listen in the evenings, and a lot of the uh, commercials on KBAI are of the per-inquiry type, where it's even their network people couldn't sell the ads, so they're running, running either running PSAs or the famous, are you owe money to the IRS? Yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, it's just... I'm not financially viable. And, and uh, again, I hate this as much as anybody, but I've got 42 people up here at Cascade Radio Group that we want to make sure that, uh, you know, they continue to have a, a solid place to work and it's kind of forced. But again, because of all your years in doing this program, I thought it was extremely necessary for us to make an announcement and give callers a couple days to call in and you know not so much complain about what's happening but to maybe share their thoughts on the joe show and the history of the joe show because you've been around this industry long enough that a lot of times the axe is dropped at two minutes to 12 and uh you're kind of ushered out the door and that's kind of how it goes. And that's just not really fair. I just feel it's wrong. Well, I, I really appreciate that opportunity and we will be here. Uh, we're going to finish today. Obviously we'll do get naked Friday tomorrow and, uh, our last Joe show will be on Monday and, uh, we want, uh, hope that you'll call us and take part. And, uh, as Don says, um, you know, share some of your thoughts and feelings about, uh, well, whatever, you know, we'll just yeah. do open lines and, and uh, have some fun and and enjoy each other's company for the, the time that we have. And don't hate me too much because, again, this is obviously a decision we would rather not make. Um, but, again, uh, you know, we've got a crew up here that relies on a solid business plan and really the, the product – not the product we have on the air, but the product we're replacing with things that leave us um, just makes us a really inconsistent um, mm-hmm. advertising vehicle, I guess, if, if you will, for business to invest in. And, and uh, you know, I hate to say it, but that's kind of what floats the boat up here because we can't charge our listeners to listen. So uh, we have to have a consistent product for people to listen to. And, and again, uh, your show and certainly our daytime stuff starting with Stephanie Miller and, uh, you know, rolling through the second version of Tom Hartman um, does a good job. It's just after that. And uh, it it just kind of gets a little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. Our general manager for the Cascade Radio Group, Don Curtis, appreciate you stopping by. Hey, Joe, thanks. And again, great job. And uh, again, don't hate me too much. Uh, I would say next week, at least give a listen to what we're putting on the air. I uh, won't let the cat out of the bag on that yet, but we did want to, we did just due to respect to Joe and also to the listeners, uh, give a couple of days for Joe to be able to take some calls from uh, longtime listeners, uh, share their thoughts on what they've enjoyed. And I know you've got some other guests planned to, mm-hmm. uh, that have kind of been long-term participants. And we think that's kind of a healthy way to, I guess, put some closure on something that we really wish we didn't have. And yeah, of course, yeah. working with KGMI, we'll try and figure out how to, <laughs> squeeze something <laughs> in there a little bit that's uh, that, would not, be, that would be awesome <laughs> not to, that's not scraping paint off the right hand side of the wall that's so, there you go yeah we've had this conversation before <laughs> anyway hey, thanks joe thanks don appreciate it we've got folks on the line and we'd love to hear from you 360-734-5697 we'll take a quick break and uh, go to the phones here on the joe show Thanks for joining us here on The Joe Show here on AM 930, Progressive Talk, KBAI, also at 98.9 FM. And if you're just tuning in, uh, once again, uh, this format is uh, short-lived here on our 
Cascade Radio Group Station. The company has decided to change formats and uh, do away with the progressive talk format and with it the Joe Show. But we have a few more days to the rest of the day today. Tomorrow and uh, Monday will be our last show. Our phone number, 360-734-5697. And let's go to our good friend, John in Ferndale. Hi, John. Hey, Joe. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's sad in one sense. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you that you have continued employment at a successful company. And that's the thing. This is commercial radio mm-hmm. and it has to make a profit. I think, I think part of the pressure on AM radio and, and, you know, local talk radio along with it is people just have smartphones now. And gall darn it, it's hard to compete with Candy Crush <laughs> yeah. and Netflix and Facebook and at all. And uh, I'm just glad that you're going to be still, uh, I'm, we're still going to hear you over on KGMI. It's, it's muscleless and radio when the high winds come and, the, you know, there's you know, uh, whatever, you know, KGMI keeps us informed. I'm obviously going to miss talking to you yeah. every uh, Every other day, let's be honest, Joe. I know. <laughs> a little obsessive. <laughs> I don't want to go on and on. I want to let other 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 people also speak to you, but it, it, it's just an honor, and I consider you a friend. Well, absolutely, John, and uh, I don't think we've ever met in person, but I certainly hope we no. will one day. I figured you had your own, you know, life with the kids and the wife and the everything. It's like, I talked to you enough, right? <laughs> I need to intrude on your... Yeah, right. life. <laughs> well, uh, it's I'm been, old school. It's always been, uh, you know, I always look forward to talking with you, John. And uh, Someday and, we're going to have to have lunch. Exactly, exactly. And I know where you work. So. Uh, that, absolutely. So stay in touch and we'll do it. Absolutely, Joe. <laughs> Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. Uh, you bet. And our phone number, once again, 360-734-5697. Let's go to Ellen in Bellingham. Hi, Ellen. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh Gee, I heard don't hate too much. I heard that a couple times. And <laughs> golly, you know, we're the liberals. There is hate radio, but we're not it. You're right. We're, we're not going to do that. Um, Joe, you, gosh, I hope my mind will clear enough to be able to list all my thoughts about you. You're, oh. mm, I hope I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> you're intelligent and you're reasonable and balanced. You have a really balanced, not fake balance, uh, a wide variety of interviewees. Um, you you listen to people who disagree uh, with, with uh, humility and respect. You have great humor, of course. Um, you're extremely well-informed and dedicated, and you're not like ego-driven, totally partisan shows in the, in the slightest. Uh, you're true to human values, and good citizenship, peace, human rights, and justice for all. So I oh. wish you an amazing, <laughs> miraculous, I know you're continuing on in some fashion, but no, we have to hear your voice. And I wish you an amazing, miraculous new venue for for that. You know, you don't have to leave this part of this venue, but... Um, and we will follow you, Joe, wherever you go. Oh, Ellen, I, I can't even believe it. You're just uh, that 
that's just amazing what what you just said. I just I I hope I can live up to all your kind words and and uh, as I said, it's just been such an honor to have people like you, you who have dedicated your life just as a private person to to peace and to uh, community and understanding and uh, and love and uh, so. so mm-hmm. The opportunity to, oh, to get to know people I like didn't you. Mean and... to say mm-hmm about me. That's funny. I was. <laughs> that's true. Thinking, uh, love is one of the words I left out to describe you, and that's why I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I try to live a life based on love, and it's so helpful to hear uh, your wonderful interviews and other people's stories. You know, through you, because it gives strength and uh, and encouragement. Oh, good. So, uh, mm. You know, it's and it's going to get stronger and stronger because, well, I guess I, maybe it's some people would call it a silly belief, but I believe in Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, to go a little farther, <laughs> I believe in the Divine Feminine, too. Now, that might really scare some people, <laughs> but um, I like what Aaron Dottie Roy said, if I can think of it, that... Uh, that a new world is another world is possible. I can hear her breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Wait. on her way. I can hear her breathing. I think she said. Anyway, I'll get off, Joe. Great to hear uh, from I you, love Alan. You. Love Bye-bye. you too. Thank you so much. And we'll 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 meet again. That's for certain. Take care. And uh, the, our phone number. Uh, once again, um, the the Joe Show has a limited time. The company's decided to change formats as of uh, August 1st. So we'll continue with the progressive talk format and the Joe Show through Monday. And then um, uh, at midnight on, on uh, Monday night is when I understand that the uh, format is scheduled to change. Uh, not certain what it will be, uh, but um, that. It's neither here nor there as far as I'm concerned. I'm just uh, happy to be here and part of this uh, progressive family. And uh, let's go back to the phones, 360-734-5697. Another good friend of the show, Stella in Fairhaven. Hi, Stella. Well, hello, Joe. This was a terrible thing to hear. I'm glad that nice Ellen was on and, you know, she she was a loving person. Me, I do hate them too much for this. <laughs> I am very angry. It's like the same thing happened in Seattle. I guess the Tea Party bought them off, but the writing was really on the wall when they took away Ring of Fire, which is one of the best. See, because see, we, a lot of us are liberal, intelligent people that care about others, that care about the earth. There are a few, but there are a few people that are, are that have too much influence and power. And see, we need. There are a lot of us that are liberal and intelligent, educated people. You know how they bought KPLU. Listen, Joe, we've got to get together. And the liberals in Seattle, even Seattle doesn't have a good liberal station anymore. We've got to get together with Seattle and get a good, strong radio station with all the good programming. It's not true that there's not programming available. And it's not true that there are people that don't want to hear it. We're hungry for it. So... Anyway, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time because you need to make some last remarks, and I'll have more to say on Friday, but I'm very angry. I'm very upset. I've been thinking about getting serious radio anyway, and I tell you, I've been thinking about maybe it hasn't been safe for me to express all these views on a station that's owned by the hate radio station, KBA, I mean KGMI, that loves Rush Limbaugh, and don't even do disclaimers for him. So anyway... 
Well, I, I, I'll get uh, off before I use an expletive, but thank you for okay. the show, and I'll have more to say about, you know, how much we appreciate you. Thank you, Joe. Thank and you, Stella. Okay, and we look forward to hearing from you over the next couple of days. But, uh, well, for one thing, KGMI doesn't own us. The same company owns all of our radio stations here at our Cascade Radio Group, our five stations, two FMs and three AMs. And, and you know, I've been I've been here now for over 14 years, part of this group, and I started at KGMI and um, found it to be difficult at times, <laughs> but uh, generally working in the in the uh, on the news side of things, which has always been a passion of mine. And um, and then uh, as far as the 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 talk. Uh, product that we presented there i you know i yeah i put up with it i put up with the you know the the rush limbaugh the dr laura the you know that um and and then on to sean hannity and some of that craziness but uh but all the while we've um also functioned as um as a community radio station and the station that you could turn to when, uh, as John said, when the winds are blowing, when the, when the snow is, is, uh, is coming down sideways or when it, you know, when there are, are tr- problems in the community. And I'm proud to be a part of a station that's looked at uh, in that way. Um, unfortunately, we have that other programming at times. But I did get my first opportunity at uh, KGMI to do a talk show, a liberal talk show, uh, so of all places. And um, there was a lot of pushback from the audience there that was used to just hearing its, its same one-note song. Um, I eventually then, um, and I talked, to, you know, I used to kind of push, can you know, KBAI, we didn't have a functioning format back then. And I said, let's make it a, a progressive talk station. We could do this. And, and it'll fly here in Bellingham. And eventually the company said, okay, let's try it. And they did, and it did fly. Uh, but we did have... Um, we did have a deeper talent pool, that's for certain. You know, when we first went on the air with Stephanie Miller in the morning, and and initially uh, it was uh, uh, was Al Franken, I think, was uh, also in then in the morning, like the nine to noon slot, and then I think it was Tom Hartman in the afternoon. I forget that because they did bounce around back and forth a little bit. We had Ed Schultz, we had Rachel Maddow, um, we had that. I had that wild man, Mike Malloy. Do you remember that guy uh, on in the evenings? And um, yeah, but and Randy Rhodes. I mean, you know, some really huge uh, national talents that have uh, many of them have uh, hung hung it up, decided that it was uh, it was not happening for them. And so it's unfortunate. I think uh, I've often said that I think it's part of it is kind of corporate copycatism when you know when all of a sudden Rush Limbaugh was making it big and it was just assumed in in all quarters that talk radio is conservative and who's the next big Rush Limbaugh okay here let's put this guy on and this guy and this guy and um and uh we progressives and and liberals were kind of forgotten about and uh fortunate that we did have this stretch there's still good programs out there uh you can still find them on the internet um and so, so that's one positive thing. Stella mentioned the satellite radio. That's another possibility, I guess, if you uh, still want to stick with some of the programming that you become used to. But uh, so there, you know, technology in that way you know, will help us as well and make make things a little better. But uh, 
As for the Joe Show, once again, um, our last show will be Monday. We will be here tomorrow, and uh, I'm inviting some of my friends to come on, some of the some of the folks who have uh, been kind of regular guests. So tomorrow I'll have uh, Boris Budd and Stacy Block, and I think Marty Watson will join us as well. And we'll do open lines. We'll talk some politics and have some fun, and then our last program will be on Monday, and we'll have a number of uh, folks and characters on. And uh, we are back tomorrow, same time, same station. Till then, good day, Northwest Washington, wherever you are.